Welcome to Garbage of the Five Rings, a podcast dedicated to exploring the weird, stupid, and occasionally compelling stories of the Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Jude Vays, and I'm joined by Amelia Antrim. For our inaugural episode, we begin discussing the Clan Wars. We mentioned it in our episode zero, but before we dive in, I think it probably merits repeating. We are two people who really love this game very, very much. But sometimes love makes you do stupid things, like read truly terrible fiction that isn't even canon anymore. Our intention in here is to shine a light on some of the very silly parts of this game, and we are really, really passionate about it, but we're not going to get everything correct. That's okay. It's really, really okay. It's going to be okay, guys. Even the authors did not get it correct. So... If you want to talk to us about silly lore or your favorite stuff or a tournament you were at, please do that. We would love to hear about that kind of stuff. We really would. That would be super fun to be able to talk to some of the guys that were, and girls, hopefully, that were involved in these tournament decisions and card decisions and stuff like that. If you are interested in a perfect representation of the story or making sure that we know that your clan is best clan... This might not be definitely isn't the show for you. We are here to be two friends talking about trash. So, join us. We are going to waste hours of your life that you will never ever get back. In our first episode, we're going to be covering via a summary and and then in some degree of detail events taking place between 1123 and the spring of 1126. We have to start a little bit before that. What the hell is going on with this game? We owe these people an explanation. Yeah, I suppose that's in order. Clan Wars. They start in what? Like 1125, 1126-ish? Yeah, the Clan Wars start right on the, uh, like what, the right at the end of 1125 or something like that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, is there a version of in media res for like in media stupid? No. Because that's what this is. I don't, I I would love to talk to somebody who played this game at the time and just ask them how, how damn hell confused they were the first time they sat down and, and played this game and somebody told them there was a story. Right. And they were like, wait, I'm supposed to understand what's going on here? I, so it, it this game starts out just like being garbage right from go. It's... They throw you into the middle of the story with no context and all of these characters that it feels pretty clear you're supposed to know who they are, but you don't. And it's not like, I don't know, it's just, it, it makes no sense. I don't understand why you would do it that way. There's no, like, flashback. There's no, like... Well, there is a flashback. It's called the Scorpion Clan Coup, and it's the second set they put out when they realized, oh, shit, nobody has a fucking idea what's going on here. We better go back and let people under let people know what the hell we is supposed to be going on. Right, but, like, when you make prequels for things, the thought process is, hey, people would love to know more about these characters that we saw before. Like, they're they're excited about them, and they want to know more. Not, oh, God, what have we done? No one understands. Like, George Lucas didn't make the prequels for Star Wars because people didn't understand the concept of Luke Skywalker. That's fair. I can't argue with that. Which is, like, what we're working with here. Yeah. 
No, uh, it's it's absolutely true. It it very much feels like they realized nobody has any idea what's going on. We better back the truck up and retell some of these stories, some of the background here so that it makes sense. It's like we were just getting like half of somebody's dream journal. Yeah, I really man, I mean, it would it will never happen because I don't think you get the you get the writers of a game on by having a podcast all about dunking on that game. But I would love to someday talk to like John Wick or some of these other writers that were involved in these early days of the game and just be like, "So how high were you?" <laughs> When you sat down and like laid this out, like what was the business plan in not telling anyone anything? And Did just you being just like, lose your first book of notes? Like the, it's, I mean, it just feels like there was a plan there. Like somebody knew something, and it just never got written down. Or like, yeah, because you can fe- you can see from the early fictions, like there's definitely they have a plot in mind. It just definitely feels like they didn't realize they needed like the first 10 pages yeah because you 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 really do get dumped in in the middle of the story and i it's just kind of inexplicable to me that they didn't think they needed to explain the coup which is a nice transition actually yeah to since the game hates you but we don't we're going to give you a brief summary of the scorpion clan coup and the events leading up to the clan war that the clan wars, the set, and the era of L5R did not give you so that you're not entirely confused, even though we will be going back and covering the Scorpion Clan coup CCG era immediately following this one. Right. We we want you to at least understand who we're talking about and what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Because... Because that's only fair. You should not feel like you're walking into a movie 20 minutes after it starts. That's a really good analogy, actually. (laughs) Well, it is a good analogy because that happened when I went to go see Quantum of Solace, and I did not understand what was happening in that movie. (laughs) Yeah. No, Clan Wars really does feel like you walked into a Kurosawa movie like 40 minutes late. Yeah. There's still a lot of movie left, but you're, you're missing some critical pieces. Yeah. Like who's this bland ass guy that everybody thinks is important? Is he okay. does he have a backstory? I don't understand. No? Okay. No, I don't think he does. <laughs> why why did you pick that one? I don't think that he does. <laughs> All right. Clan Wars in Rokugan starts around, like we said, eleven twenty five, eleven twenty six, and goes until eleven twenty eight. In eleven twenty three, there's a coup. That we don't hear anything about until later. It is masterminded by Bayushi Shouju, who is the Scorpion Clan champion. And he's moving around all of his chess pieces because that's what scorpions do. They're like always playing three-dimensional chess. And he is basically trying to manipulate the lion into getting into a war with the crane. He's trying to like undermine everybody at every turn. Yeah, his deal is basically, he receives a prophecy that there is a doom coming to the Empire. And if he kills the last of the Hantai emperors, then he can save Rokugan. So he thinks, 
Sounds legit. I can manage that. And so he pulls off this coup. Mostly. Doesn't quite manage it. The Lion Clan champion uh, and aforementioned human equivalent of a breakfast consisting of white toast, water, and plain yogurt, Okoto Tutori, uh, kills Beishi Shoju in a duel to avenge the emperor, and then makes the incredibly wise decision to just become emperor himself since no one else is around. He's just keeping the seat warm. Don't worry about it. Like, that jade throne's going to get cold. <sighs> it's winter court, Jude. Unsurprisingly, there is another Hantai. Hantai the, what, uh, 30, 39th? 39th? And he does not take kindly to a blob of human paste sitting on his throne and promptly exiles Tutori, makes him a ronin, marries Shoju's wife, Kachiko. Cuz? I guess that's like the man. That's, He's like, that's the I macho showed you move. Scorpion clan. Married your wife, dude. Uh, and then. Hi, you're dead, and I have yeah, your wife. Yeah, and then exiles the entire Scorpion clan uh, across the burning sands to the north. But here's the fun thing about the clan wars. When you start, you don't know any of that. You just know that Hantai has married the the Hantai has married Kachiko. No, you don't even know that. You, re- you don't even, you don't know, even that. know that. No, because <laughs> we'll get into it. We'll get into it. You don't actually That's know ridiculous. that. Ridiculous. She's hanging around. Just hanging she's, around. She's around. So much of this information is completely unseen when the game starts and over time as the fictions progress you get a little bit of information but in particular one of the most infuriating things to me is that Tutori emerges as an important figure but almost nothing about this boring ass dude is revealed he shows up almost nowhere and this reasonably exciting thing that he did isn't mentioned anywhere i i don't understand i mean spoilers he gets up to some exciting stuff later on in the clan wars era and i can't fathom why anybody picked him for anything he must have had a good card that's the only thing i can think of yeah he's i mean he's just like god he's so boring he's so boring and like maybe if we had gotten to see some of the stuff that happened with the coup before this like maybe i wouldn't have already developed this opinion of him being just oh my god he's so boring but also i don't know that that really would have changed my opinion because i like what was he doing just like keeping the throne warm how did it's it's a bad call (laughs) how did nobody know (laughs) that there was another hot day uh, well, that's actually I'm revealed later on um, in one of the fictions okay. that we split these fictions up because we don't hate each other enough okay. to make both of us read all of them. We split them down the middle. Yeah. One of the imper- the commander of the Imperial Guard snuck the son of the emperor out. No, I mean, I understand that like, like, I, I know that that whole plot because there was Asawa Kaede was there and like they had to like quit. Gimpuku and like make him an adult and everything but like how did nobody know that there was a child yeah i don't know <laughs> like i, I yeah. mean like i know that we don't have social media and like there's not like woo royal wedding but 
I don't know. It seems like a, a, an important fun fact that people should I'm know. I'm sure they, they knew that there was, that Hantai had a kid. I think they probably just assumed that the scorpions got him. But I don't know. Maybe I'm giving the story too much credit. That seems like a big assumption. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's yeah. for another time. Anyway, <laughs> the last important note, and this is another important one that amuses me. When Clan Wars opens, there's this mysterious wasting disease that is a major plot point because Kachiko is using it as a cover to poison her annoying new husband. It turns out that this is Yogo Junzo, who will become an important character, who has decided that, you know, being a scorpion, that was great. But now you killed all my scorpion dudes. You exiled my clan. So, fuck it. I have these two black scrolls. They're probably not possessed of demonic power. Let's see what's inside. So he cracks them open and proceeds to become thoroughly tainted and releases a plague and a giant iron fortress. Which, I don't know, as you do, I guess. The early days of right, Maho were I mean, real out there. Like, man, anything was possible with Black Scrolls and Maho in the early days of the storyline. Let's be honest. Anything is still possible with Maho, Jude. If you wish hard enough. Right. You just believe in yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a mess. I mean, really, like, long story short, it's a hot fucking yeah. mess. Now that people know all of the things that they don't know, we can, like, get into the actual story yeah. that, we're, that we're here to talk about. So, uh, in this first episode, there's a couple of specific things we're going to focus on in this time period, which is kind of the prelude to the clan wars, really. It's the early events that are gonna, that are going on just before the clan war really kicks off in earnest. This is going to be the prelude to the clan wars and then the ramp up to the battle at Baden Pass, which is really the kickoff to the clan wars. This is putting all of the pieces in place so that war can happen. We've, we've, we're setting up all the dominoes. Exactly. That's a, good, that's a really good way of putting it. So our dominoes for today are... Kachiko, I'm going to let Amelia take that one. Yep. Kisada, that one's all mine. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, don't we have some nonsense about the Naga too? Yeah, so we've got, we've got our good pal Yogo Jinzo That's and right. his Black Scrolls. Yep. We've got Kachiko, who I've got some opinions yep. on. And the Naga. And the Naga, they're snakes. And, and the crab. And crab horse shit. All right. Yep. Well, let's uh, let's get into it. Let's start with Yogo Junzo since we already we just talked about him. So basically, Yogo Junzo is a sad boy because he was real dedicated to Shoju, and now his boss is dead, and he comes to the reasonable conclusion that opening these black scrolls is is like a super good idea. Well, you know, we would all do that if our boss died. I think that's you know, I, if my boss died, I would release this demonic presence that you know my family had been sworn to not release i think wouldn't you no i assume your boss is not listening to this podcast i mean i don't know maybe in fairness to junzo beyushi shoju is a dude like he's pretty cool i think he's <laughs> High praise. He's a dude. <laughs> I think he's actually a really great character. And as time progresses, they make his character a lot more interesting. One of the things that we 
are someday going to do for this podcast is I'm going to make Amelia read the Clan War novels, which are routinely vilified as being garbage. But I... I thought we were friends. I really like the first one, which is the Scorpion one, which retells the Scorpion Clan coup, and I think has a really good characterization of Shoju and Kajiko. All right. And yeah, I think they're fun. And I don't, I can't say I recommend them, but I think they're fun. And I think that would be a fun little uh, bonus. So I don't know. We'll find some way for our listeners to flick that on us someday. At some point, I've got like a plane ride that I'll have to be on or something. There you go. Yeah. So anyway, but I I think Shoju's a significant character and an interesting character. So I can kind of get why... He would inspire that kind of loyalty. In all the fiction, that is something that is shown everywhere, is that people people fucking love Shoju. He's real big in his clan. So I get why someone would take some extreme measures, but I don't know. Maybe Apocalypse is going one step too far. Just, you know, my two cents. So he opens these two scrolls. Here's a fun fact, though. Until, until Scorpion Clan Coup came out, which is after all this was over... Here's all anyone knew about it. The first scroll is opened. The scorpion have been defeated, and the city is in the hands of the lion, the soldier cried. Our lord Soju is dead. Dead, murmured Junzo. Then it is time for our final revenge. Okay, so Shoju's dead. A scroll is opened. There's a lion. And then the second one is... Oh no, that was it. That was the whole thing. Oh, that's that's that supposed... was anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's literally all they had to go on to know that the first scroll, the wasting disease, was opened. From that, you're supposed to know that the wa- that that's the wasting disease. Okay, there's no words wasting or disease, disease, plague. No, there's nothing. So all that tells you is that the first scroll has been opened. They eventually went back and basically retconned in that the first scroll was the wasting disease. So this is a pattern that I want to call out right at the top. They are going to do some stuff that seems sort of thematic and cool. And then later on, they're going to go graft extra meaning into that as they fill out the plot years later. So they wrote a card in which... Junzo opens a scroll, and then not two years later, they're going to go back and go, oh, that was the wasting disease. And then, you know, five years later, they'll go back and they'll graft some more shit onto that. And that becomes a thing that they do, not just with Clan War stuff, but that becomes like an L5R thing. Oh, there's a missing kid here. Turns out that kid's important. Oh, there's a thing over there. Well, let's go make that important. Like... They just go back and just sort of staple meaning onto trivial shit everywhere because there's no real coherency or consistency to the world building consistently. Do you think that that's because like writers, like different writers were working on things? So they read something and they were like, oh, cool, I'm going to use that. Well, and also it's like you've got one writer is leading things up for a few years and then he leaves and another writer comes in. And he goes back and says, well, now I want to do this thing. So he goes back and looks for places where he can staple the plot threads that he wants to work with back into the old plot so it makes sense. Get a story team. Eh, yeah. I mean, 
Yes, I agree. But on the other hand, we wouldn't have a podcast, so. Yeah. Nobody makes podcasts about how good L5R is. <laughs> yeah. Silly. Uh, the second scroll was the Iron Citadel. And as best as I can tell, uh, it came from a single card that had a big iron castle on it. And they went back later and said it was, an, it was in fact, a scroll that created it. So, cool. I had literally never heard of that until we started doing this. Yeah, like, it was not... Yeah, I think they basically had a... They were like, we have some cool art, and uh, now that's what that yeah, is. Yeah, they had a second scroll they needed, and they had an Iron Citadel, and they're like, well, boy meets girl. God, we already paid for this art. We got to do something with it. Yeah, cool. Uh, we don't have time for your art rant. Right, right we'll now. move on. <laughs> Too long, we didn't can do read. it if you want. Yeah, the, the early Clan Wars art's a real thing. Go look it up. Uh, oh, yeah. All right. Now it's your turn to talk about Kachiko. Okay. Buckle up. Are you ready for this? I'm, I'm so very ready, ready been, for this. I've been waiting. Kachiko is poisoning the emperor. Her husband. Her husband. Eh, maybe. We don't know. Okay. So here's the thing about Kachiko. She is everything that I hate about dudes writing ladies. She is this, like, horrible male gaze, wish fulfillment, femme fatale, written by a dude, personified. She's, like, always, like, slinking around, and she's always half-dressed, and she's always just super hot and super evil and up to no good, constantly. She's always, like, setting up some plot, and I just, she makes no sense in the setting. She makes no sense as a character, and I hate her. And she could be so much better. She could be really smart and cool, and she's not. She's just hot. And that's what's important here. Every chance they get, every time she comes up, it is pointed out she's hot. In case you forgot, she's still hot. It drives me crazy. Okay, that's my opinion. <laughs> out of the way. They have no clue what's going on with her. In the very first fiction, she is referred to as the emperor's concubine. That's why I keep pointing out not his wife. Later on, she's referred to as his wife, but not the empress. Or maybe she's referred to the empress, but not his wife. I feel like she doesn't get referred to as his wife until, like, halfway through the fictions that I was reading. She's around. She's hanging out with the emperor. She's being the fucking worst. But, like, there's no real clear reason why. And just, like, from go, she's scheming and plotting and being this horrible snake of a woman who is slowly killing her husband. And I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve it because he seems like a real dick. But she is, like, the only female character that we get at this point. And that's the first fiction that we see. And she's just... Yeah, that's really shitty that the the first female character we have is a real... a re Not even that it's a crappy archetype it's a crappy take on a crappy archetype like femme fatales done well are are great this is like a really shitty take on a femme fatale and that's all we've got there's literally no other main there's hardly any female characters period and there's certainly nothing approaching a main female character until hitomi shows up way later like later on and she's 
not much in it until much later, until later on in the clan war stuff. Yeah, she's like, I mean, in the first half of the stuff that I read, she's not really like fleshed out as a character at all. She's around. Yeah. She's hanging out. She's mad at Jaturi. Yeah, I think the which, only like, other who isn't? female character that I think is around at all is, uh, what's her name? Suko, the lion. Yeah. And again, her only character trait is, are angry. Her character trait is, I also hate Jaturi. Well, that's rational, at least. I mean, yeah, it makes sense for her. But yeah, Kachiko is like, she's she's not even a good femme fatale. She's just, and I think that that's what frustrates me most is that her character has the ability to be like really smart and conniving and underhanded and it, like we get none of that. She's mm-hmm. just hot. And it makes no sense in this setting because you're in a society that's, governed by like these really strict moral standards and she's like always walking around half dressed yeah and like like in one of the fictions she's like sprawled out over the jade throne in the dark monologuing to herself or to some person in the shadows and i'm i'm very serious when i say that the only reason that she's not twirling her mustache is because then you would have to wonder whether she's hot and we can't have that but she's like hanging out poisoning the emperor pretending it's the plague and then like getting away with it because she can because she's evil yeah and there's that whole fiction long knives is i i I can't think of it's just garbage not the fun garbage there's a lot of the stuff we call out in here is fun garbage it's it's just garbage garbage oh yeah it's we see her back tattoo within like a couple paragraphs so and it's not even the part where they call out where they describe the back tattoo is one of the grosser sentences i've ever read in l5r oh yeah yeah her kimono had fallen away revealing the tattoo on her back the sign of the scorpion the newest and rumored to be most skilled concubine of the emperor you guys this is like the first fiction this is like the first one way to set a tone there l5r gross oh god yep why am i still here why am i still here uh yep Yep. It does get yeah. better. Uh, but the short version here is that Kachiko is problematic as fuck. Yeah, I summed it up. She will threaten your life, but not your masculinity. Yeah, that's real accurate. Yeah, there's so much potential there. And I think later on, they make an attempt to show her as more scheming and less, I don't know. Yeah, she becomes more like scheming and conniving and less feminine wiles. Yeah. Yeah, but certainly in this phase, there's not a lot of that, so. Yeah, that's my hot take on that. That's Kachiko. She's terrible. I fucking hate her. Yeah. All right, you want to do the Naga? Yeah, I would love to talk about some snake people and what the fuck the snake people are up to. Cool. So the Naga, they've been asleep for a really long time, and now they're not. And they kind of know things, but also kind of don't. And it's very confusing what they do and don't know. This is my favorite part about them is that they've been asleep for thousands of years, supposedly before people were around. And so they're confused by words like Shigenja, but then they also are like, we have a champion and they totally understand the concept of what a Bushi is and all of that kind of stuff. So it's just really choosy about what these snake people know. But they're just like, wandering around mostly for most of the fiction that i read like eventually their whole goal they wake up is because there's some kind of evil coming and it's their job to stop it 
But, I mean, really, for most of it, they're just wandering around being confused by Rokugan. It's it's real weird. Yeah. That's, like, the gist of it. I mean, there's so many fictions that they're in, and I don't feel like they do anything in any of them, except just, like, snake's gonna snake. I don't... Un- yeah, I I can't figure out why they put them in L5R. Like... Yeah, I, I still don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what the logic... I get it. You sit down, you're going to do a samurai drama. You got your clans, you got a coup. Who comes in and goes, I got it. I know what we need. (laughs) Snake people. And any reasonable writing room would look at that suggestion and be like, go home, Fred, you're drunk. It's like, no, man, I got it. Snake people. No, Fred, you're drunk. No. In L5R, they're like, no, it's snake people. What do they do? Well, they've been asleep because snakes hibernate. They were, they, they were napping. Yeah, all right. I, I, I'm pretty sure snakes hibernate. Go on. They're, they're, they're real magic because snakes, you know, for, from India, so snakes are magic. Yep, sure. Check. Yeah, that's, that's east of the U.S., so sure. Yep, yeah, yep. That's, that's fine. We can put that in there. And, well, they, they still got to be sexy. So the lady snakes can still can, can can make legs, you know, so they can be sexy. Absolutely, sure, absolutely, Fred. You're 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 right, killing. Right, we can't it. have non-sexy. Legs. You're you're just killing it, Fred. <laughs> you're killing it. Keep going. And they'll, well, I got nothing else. I don't know what they'll do, but they'll they'll look cool on they, cards, Fred. They they fight real good. They fight real good. We think, we think. And there'll be another faction, so we can sell a whole other set of 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 starters. Fred, you get a promotion. I'm pretty sure that's how that went. <laughs> Good on you, Fred. I'm reasonably I'm certain that that's how that went down. I mean, it must be, right? Because I do. You, I mean, I wonder if there's some part of this where they're like, we want to bring in some more supernatural elements. Aside from just people being able to do magic, we want to have some more like creatures. I mean, I... I'm not joking when I say I have no earthly idea how why they brought in snake people. I mean, it wasn't going to be the last of the nonsense that they, they did. Early L5R was just a hucklebuck of nonsense, supernatural stuff. Rattlings and fucking ghost people and all kinds of weird shit. So, like, all kinds... I, I mean, mean, they're they're not out of place in, like, the sum total of weird shit that L5R has. But, like, this is the first taste of real stupid that we get. And you're like, oh, guys, no, I can see you going down this path. Stop. Yeah. Well, so I think in the context of where L5R ended up, the Naga make perfect sense. But in the context of where L5R was when they showed up, it's like a it's like a bull at a tea party. I mean, it it just doesn't make any goddamn sense. They were playing the long game, man. Maybe give them some credit. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You can't see my face right now, listeners, it's, but it's a skeptical it's, 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 face. Um, yeah. To summarize, I don't know why they added them. I think the art maybe is all right. I don't know. I don't know why they added them. They got some okay, f- especially because I don't know why they added them. Especially because <laughs> I keep going back to I don't know. I don't know. Especially because later on, and this is going to come. We'll come back to this in like I don't know months when we get down to hidden emperor but in hidden emperor is it hidden emperor i don't know there's a fiction later on 
like a set or two later where the Naga explicitly say we shouldn't have woken up because the 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 second day of thunder wasn't our fight and all it's done is doom us. Literally, we shouldn't have woken up. We didn't play a meaningful part. Oops. God damn it. So even in the even within the narrative, they're like, we don't know why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. Cool. So yeah, I mean, in summary, there's some snake people. They were asleep for a long time. They know some stuff, but not other stuff. And they're just like, God damn it, humans, why do you keep fucking shit up? And the ladies can be sexy. Oh yeah, and they're sexy lady snakes because don't you worry. All women are sexy. Yeah. I hate, Even if I hate this game. <laughs> I hate this game so much sometimes. It's just, it's just science, man. That's just science. Oh, God. Oh. It's, yep. Yep. And you haven't even started talking about your shit yet. Oh, fuck. <laughs> All right. Now I have to talk about Casada. What the fuck? Here's a fun fact. Hidi Casada, also known as the Great Bear is the worst crab of all time, and yet will somehow, someday, be made a fortune, which I can only attribute to crab players, I don't know, lacking other notable personalities and having no one else to vote for? Being the loudest in general. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Casada is demonstrably the worst, and we're about to see why. Because he had one job to do. The crab have one job to do, and that is... One fucking job. (laughs) Sit on the wall... Fight the things that come from one side of the wall. That's it. So they don't get to the other side. Sit on the wall. Fight the things that come from one side of the wall. He apparently got salty that the things on the other side of the wall, specifically the emperor, were not being tough enough to the Shadowlands and were too weak. And he made the very sensible decision that he was going to ally with the Shadowlands March on the... I have, a, I have a question. Yeah. Are fighting things and being friends with things the same? No. No, Amelia, they are not. That is an excellent are question. Are you sure? Uh, are you sure? I'm sure. I don't think Hida Kasada is sure. Okay. Just wanted to clarify so that we're all working from the same baseline here. Yep. He plans to ally with the Shadowlands, march on the Imperial Capital, kill the Emperor, become the Emperor... And then turn on his Shadowlands allies with the strength of the emperor, the em- entire empire behind him, who will all certainly line up with total loyalty and have no beef with what he's just done. Kill the, the rest of the, the Shadowlands allies he's marched in, who will, I'm sure, not have any, you know, other plans besides his plan. And then and definitely won't kill any of the other people yeah. that he might need to ally with later on because fighting and being friends are the same yeah exactly he has a fundamental misunderstanding of how fighting works here's his his plan is so comically bad it's like it's something out of a calvin and Hobbes strip and what's funny about that is quesada is supposed to be a master strategist like that's his thing is that supposedly he's a genius at this stuff and yet he makes this hilarious joke of a plan and gets played oh and to make it even better he gets played like a fucking chump by kachiko along the way so he gets there's a fiction where he's talking to kachiko and she literally is just like oh 
It's a shame you're going to be so exposed by Baden Pass. Wouldn't that suck? And he's like, oh, fuck, yeah, I guess I should go fight that. It's literally that transparent. And he just bites at it like a dog after a treat. And so... Well, yeah, because she's hot and that makes you stupid. <laughs> I don't know, man. But that's... I think that's how hotness works. <laughs> that's literally how the Battle of Baden Pass happens. She... She's like, hey, you heard of that Baden Pass place? And he's like, I have heard of that. I should go there. Yeah. So that's that's how it happens. There's a lot of stuff that will later become revealed about this alliance with the Shadowlands. Namely, Kuni Yori is his main liaison between the Shadowlands and the Crab. And he's hella tainted and gets up to all kinds of dirty shenanigans. The Battle of Baden Pass is going to kick off a number of important plot lines, and we'll be covering that in the next two episodes. Yeah, it's very confusing. How many battles of Baden's passes are there? Your guess is as good as mine. Somewhere between one and three. Okay. But the crab, the Battle of Baden Pass really kind of fucks the crab up pretty good, as we'll see. He goes in with some number of sons and comes out with a different number. It's not more. It's not more. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. It's a different number. There's a lot of weird stuff that happens there. Yeah, the whole thing is just... I, and I still haven't figured out what order it has happened. Dude, the timeline... Yeah, those are words. I can't even say words in the right order now. I'm so confused. Yeah, the timeline for this era, this first particular era, like for 1126, is a hot mess. Because this is the era when there's the least detail, when... There's a lot going on, and there's really only two sources of information. There's a single RPG supplement, Time of the Void, and then there's fictions. And then there's like a long gap, and then you get like the second or the third and fourth edition RPG books that go back and try and like clean all that up. And as a result, you have like two timelines, the Time of the Void and the fictions, which don't agree, but are kind of over on one side. And then the third and fourth edition timelines, which generally agree and are going in a different direction. So the, those early, that first year, 1126 is just a fucking disaster. I mean, there's there's like four different colors on our timeline for that year. And then once you get further down into like the last two years of the Clan Wars, it's a little bit cleaner because I feel like they kind of got their shit together a little bit as things as they got down into the shoot for the second day of thunder but that early era i mean i don't think they really knew what they were doing and there was a lot of chaos yeah i mean and it you can tell because it just i mean things aren't consistent from like one story to the other within the fictions it's like these were released what you know a couple months apart or yeah one of my favorite i don't know one of my favorite things about the uh digging through kaze no shiro which is the one of our primary resources Blessed that that site exists, because this would be an impossible podcast to do without it. Kaze Noshiro is the fiction archive that has a copy of every fiction that's ever been released for L5R. A number of, what, like, I would say probably a solid quarter of everything in the Clan War section is some dude that worked for AEG recapping fiction or recapping what's happened in the, in the storyline. It's just like, this guy's recaps. I I, yep. I don't know where they're from. I think, I think they probably came off of like a list serve or a news group back in the nineties. But I think those always. 
I always think they're funny when I read them because I just imagine some poor harried sales guy or, you know, somebody working for the company getting an email from some player like, this makes no fucking sense. What the ass is going on? And sends it to one of the writers and like, people are confused again. So this guy sits down and, uh, all right. Did you let Fred into those meetings again? Bangs out another summary and sends it out. And that's how we end up with these things. I mean, and some of the stuff that we read, too, is just the text from the cards that, like, you can kind of maybe put together into a thing. It, it, but Yeah, the, the flavor text is really interesting. Some of them are totally pointless. And every now and then, though, there's a, there's a gold nugget in there where you have like a little story told across like five or six cards, which is really cool. And I like that they did that sometimes. But man, they really make you fucking work for it. Like it's yeah, they're really hard to follow and to find. And it yeah. Uh, and it's like reading one sentence at a time that doesn't go together is yeah a lot for my brain. And it just like it Sometimes it kind of hurts my soul. Yeah. Why are we doing this again? <laughs> you guys, this game's real bad. Later on, I think they definitely moved harder into telling the story via fictions, like long fictions. So I mean, I'll be interested to see how later editions changes our process as we go through this stuff. Because I imagine it will be a lot more reading and a lot less cross-referencing supplements and card fictions, card stuff and... I think it'll just be a lot more reading and a lot less research. A lot less messaging back and forth. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? I don't understand. One can only hope. I, I mean. Yeah. <sighs> Dreams. Dreams. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, really the big takeaway from all of this is it doesn't make much sense. Stuff is happening and it seems like it might be important, but we're not sure why. And people are making bad decisions. Yeah, I would definitely say making bad decisions is more or less the defining characteristic of everything going on so far in the clan wars. Nobody's making no. good decisions. No, no, no good decisions no, are being made. No, snakes should have stayed asleep, man. Yeah, snake should stay asleep. Hide Kasada should, I don't know, do his fucking jump, job. Do his job and or jump over the other side of the wall. Totori should get a fucking personality. <laughs> Totori the beige. Totori the beige. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No, nobody's nobody's a winner in the clan war so far. There's no. I don't know. Maybe it's a bias because we've seen like personalities get real development later on in L5R. But it, I, I, I'm having trouble imagining how you would sit down at this game and be like, wow. This is a really cool personality. I want to root for this guy. Because right now I look at the, the personalities as they've developed in these fictions and I'm just like, eh. Do you think maybe because we are, because we're binging this content? So like maybe if you're getting it a little bit at a time, you don't have the perspective to realize. That's possible. Just how yeah. little sense it makes. Because if you're getting spoon fed this information, of course you're not getting a ton. Yeah, and you maybe build it up a little bit in your head. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. I really would love to talk to some of the people that were there. If you've watched, there's a video, Matt Colville, I think his name is. He does D&D GMing videos and stuff on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And he's really cool. He did a video about L5R. He was a player back in the Clan War days. And he did a video about his experiences playing during the Clan War 
Day of Thunder Gen Con stuff, which was really cool. And he talked about like learning the storyline through the cards and stuff like that, which is really fun and interesting to watch. Uh, we'll put a link to it in the show notes for people to, to check out. Because it's if you're interested in how people experience the game in the early days, I think his is a pretty int- a pretty good snapshot of how a lot of people I know from that era talk about it. So it's kind of an, a non-salty, pissed-off, garbage take on that era sounds. Well, that can't be a true take then. <laughs> well, I think it's important to give all sides of an argument, even if they're wrong. <laughs> no, I mean, I do think that we're coming at this from an angle of like trying to understand it when I think that maybe people were just trying to like play the game and have fun and not be serious about it. <laughs> like, I, you know, we might be putting... Uh, too much pressure on this game (laughs) i think asking this game to make sense or to have good writing is probably asking a little much of it especially in these early eras there is legitimate good writing later on but not consistently we're not there yet you know what everybody starts out well hold on i yeah and let me let me caveat that there are some diamonds in the rough in this already Every now and then you see some some good little bits of writing. So maybe every episode we each need to pick one fiction that we think is good or worth reading or something like that. That assumes that there are many good ones. Maybe there's not. Okay, maybe think... later on. Maybe later on as we like ease into it, like we can. Yeah. You know, yeah. We can we can point out. I'm perfectly willing to point out when things are good. So yeah, far, yeah. I don't know if there's enough for. I don't know if there's enough for one every episode, but I bet you there's one or two every era. I would call out as being worth for sure. So for sure, if we come across as we as we do these episodes, if we come across ones that are worth reading, we will be sure to recommend them to you, dear listeners, so that you can read them because there are a few great great ones in there. Definitely, I just think that like. We haven't found them yet. We certainly haven't covered them in this episode. Right. But you know what? We all take some time to kind of just get going and really like find our footing, right? Maybe, maybe they're, maybe they're going to get there. They're not, they're not because I've played this game for a while and I know that they're not, (laughs) but you know, maybe this time it'll be different. Any last words on this trash? No, I'm good. I think we've covered uh, covered this garbage pretty thoroughly for this first episode. I'm looking forward to covering the unmitigated disaster that is the Battle of Baden Pass so I can further heap garbage on Hida Trash Sada. He's the worst. And yet somehow not the worst. In a long list of garbage people in during the clan war he Kasada man, somehow manages not to be the actual worst but in my personal list he is the worst no that's totally fair that's totally reasonable like he's not the person fucking shit up the most which is like ungoddamn believable but like as a character yeah yeah he's real bad mm-hmm. all right well if people want to join us next time more trash more trash We're going to go through all of this when it happens some more. Garbage of the Five Rings is an independent production and can be found online at www.garbageofthefiverings.com and on Twitter at G5R Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia Antrim, and I can be found on Twitter at Ginger Reckoning. 
my co-host, Jude Vase, can be found on Twitter at AramidicJude. Sources for this episode and further information on the topics discussed can be found in the show notes. Thanks for letting us waste your time. We'll be back in two weeks. <laughs>